25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks in The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. All right, here we go. Hour number two of the show, Off and Running. Uh, I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio, the mobile Farm Bureau studio, on location on the front porch in Vicksburg, Mississippi. Thanks for tuning in and listening to the birds chirp. We had somebody text at the beginning of hour number one, and they said, uh, hey, Matt, you really don't have to talk. I I just like hearing the birds chirp. (laughs) So if you wanted uh, two hours of nature sounds on the radio today, I'm sorry that I have not delivered, and I have uh, talked over the birds chirping. we got a special treat coming up, interview guest on site coming up in two minutes. First, though, I just want to remind you that we're going to continue the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days, college football countdown. We had two teams in hour one, two more coming up in hour two. That'll get us caught back up. Teams number 97 and 96. Today we are 96 days away from Saturday, September the 5th. And if that doesn't light your fire, your wood's wet, as they say. We're looking forward to college football. Uh, You can text me on the Country Pleasing text line, or you can call. And first I'm going to take a phone call because uh, I have left Chris hanging on the Divinity Equipment phone before for a long time this time i have an excuse and it's because on location uh my call screen dropped about 15 minutes ago and i finally got it pulled up during the commercial break and i can see that chris is hanging on so let's go right now do any equipment phone chris i appreciate you being patient with me what's up man yeah no problem hey first things first i wanted to thank you for uh giving us something besides the bingo and wingo show (laughs) Friday. oh my god I thought I was after four. I, did they play that show all day long? Yeah. That's my question. Because um, it was on yeah, when I, I, don't know when how I long tried to goes, listen to, to Bo. With you. It was on when I tried to listen to Bo. And then when I turned it back on to see if Brooks was going to show up, it was on then, too. And I'm like, what in the world? How can people <laughs> sit here and listen to this crap for five hours? But anyway. Maybe the, the first thing hour I want to say. The second thing I want to say is I want to I want to urge all Mississippians that can hear this to urge everybody else to stay out of this protest crap because this is or if you're going to do it do it peacefully because this this stuff that's going on now I mean dragging yeah. dragging store owners out of their stores and stomping them to death destroying people's properties yesterday they drug a tanker truck driver out of his truck killed him i mean it's just this is ridiculous i mean what makes you people that are riding and killing innocent people that have done nothing wrong 
Yeah. What makes hey, you look, any better Chris, than that? Uh, I can sum it up. I can sum it up for you, and then we're going to move on to something else. Um, you're exactly right. Okay. Number one, protests are fine. Protests are fine. In a lot of cases, in many cases, protests are good. It's one of the great things about our country. You can do it. You can protest it all you want. But riots and damaging property um, are evil. Okay? And so let's draw a line, a very clear dividing line for any activity. Okay? There is good and there is evil. Evil would be what the policeman in Minnesota did. Okay, he killed an innocent man with handcuffs behind his back by putting... That is evil. And the people who are hurting a store owner or damaging property, that is also evil. By doing it, they've placed themselves on the side of the perpetrating policeman, not on the side of the victim. They are on that side of the line that is also evil. Protests are good. So let's just be, let's make it really clear to anybody who listens to my show, however small or however big the audience is, Chris, let's draw the line. And whatever we do, let's be on the side of good because we don't want to be on the side of those who are doing evil. Thanks for the call, Chris. Got a split, man. You have a great day and see ya. See ya. Appreciate the call. Thank you. All right. Special guest sitting here with a blue Vikings football from Warren Central T-shirt, Lana Claire Morgan, who is the wife of one of the football coaches over there, one of my former teammates, and now brother-in-law, Rob Morgan at Warren Central High School. Lana, welcome to the show. Thanks. Yeah, appreciate you being here out on the porch. <laughs> it took me a long time to get here. We've had a lot of uh, birthday parties on this porch. Uh-huh. I say we have. Y'all have. Yeah. Yeah, B's here. Uh, Mary Beckett, we had your birthday party here, right? Yeah, yeah. We've had Easter egg hunts, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, uh, no stranger to the porch, and it's actually a pretty nice day for it. It's perfect. All right, I want to. We're going to get to the football coach's wife thing, but you're also a school teacher. Yes. And starting in March, boom, go home, no school. Mm-hmm. Now, for those of us who are not teachers, we have a child who comes home. We know what that experience has been like. We had to become a teacher. Mm-hmm. But for you, you already were a teacher. What's the quarantine and the pandemic been like for a school teacher? Well, I teach first grade at Bomar here in Vicksburg. And on March 6th, I waved my kids goodbye and said, see you after spring break. And every teacher looks forward to spring break. Okay, that was March 6th. March 6th. So you have that week off and you're going to recharge. And when you get back from spring break, you're good to go till the end of the year, um, but that didn't happen. Yeah. So we, this so this week is about to be three full months, yeah. ninety days. Yeah. Never in. I'm I'm just finished my sixteenth year of teaching, and this is the longest I have gone without little tiny humans yeah. in front of me. <laughs> so it has. Um, while I have enjoyed a little downtime and definitely sleeping late, it. It has not been all fun because, yeah. you know, it is that my, when I step into my classroom, that is my little sanctuary. And I thrive off of my children and I haven't had those yeah. little children. So it is it's been hard. It's kind of like your passion got stolen away, stolen away for a little while. And then to know that I won't have those 21 children 
in front of me yeah. again. Because you get attached to them. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're mine. Yeah. I spend more time with them than I do my own two children. Uh, Mary Liddy, my daughter, uh, for those listening, second grader. And that really, I think, has been the hardest mm-hmm. part, um, I, I think, at times for her, is not seeing her teacher and yeah. classmates in person at mm-hmm. all. There was a period of time there where that was really hard on her. Right. But we felt like and knew the same for her teacher. Mm-hmm. Equally as hard on her because she could... She couldn't see him get her hands on him, you know. Yeah. And as a teacher, you, I know that when those children walk into my classroom each morning, that for those eight hours, they're safe. Yeah. And they're with me, and they're having breakfast, and they're having lunch, and I can see them. Yeah. But when they're not there, you know, I worry about them to make sure that they're okay. Sure, sure. And then um, you come home, okay, so you can't teach those children you've been assigned to teach. And now you become the teacher for your own <laughs> four-year-old and seven-year-old, right? Yeah. Got to get their ages right? Uh-huh. Yes. Four Mary Beckett turned eight during the okay. quarantine. And Trace will be five in July. But um, this has definitely told me that I really love my job. <laughs> <laughs> what is different about teaching your own children versus somebody else's kids? I think the biggest difference is... You know, your expectations kind of slightly change. In some ways, you can push your own kids further, hmm. but in other ways, they know how to work you. Yeah. And when they say, oh, I just don't really want to start right now, <laughs> you're like, oh, all right, let's just yeah, go okay. outside. <laughs> so I'm not quite sure that I was super effective as a homeschool mom. Yeah. They, they know where the soft spot is. Yes, so I'm much more effective at uh, Bomar Elementary School in room 14. All right, so we're talking about all this uh, upheaval in, yes. in your life as a teacher and as a mom, all this mm-hmm. upheaval, which is, uh, okay, so you're a teacher, you can't see your kids, you can't teach them, it's just over, mm-hmm. and you didn't expect it. You didn't have time to prepare for it. Yeah. Then you're a mom, and now you got to teach them. You didn't have time to prepare for it. You didn't expect mm-hmm. it. And then the third part of this mm-hmm. is, a coach's wife. Yes. And I described earlier, I said most football coaches, not all, but most I think are, because they have to be, they're very regimented, they're very like sort of kind of militarian mm-hmm. in their own schedules, their own way of doing things. And now, instead of he's at the field house and he's coaching ball, now you got to see him. All day, every day. Every day. <laughs> now you're laughing. But I'm picking up a little sarcasm in that laugh. Yeah, yeah. It might have been good for him to be at the field house some. That, huh? That's right. You know, uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder. <laughs> Isn't that what they that's say? Right. That's right. No, in in all seriousness, the adjustment of y'all to you know you're you're at home every day yeah. when when no doubt and knowing Rob, he had to be antsy mm-hmm. during that time of just stuck at home. Yeah, you know we um, as a coach's wife rob and i have been married 10 years and we dated for three years before that so we've been through 13 football seasons together and rob and i are both very ocd and get into our schedules we are on a routine and then when the coronavirus hit we completely fell apart i bet um and we have gotten used to for nine to ten months out of the year we don't have rob You know, we see him when the kids are going to bed and on Saturdays, and that's it. So that has definitely um, been a change and something to get used to. And we've really, 
have actually, not to be all like hearts and flowers and rainbows, but we've actually really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. You know, we're able to spend time outside together. We can go walking in our neighborhood. The kids ride bikes. And that's not something that we have ever been able to do before. And Rob has been able to experience Mary Beckett and Trace, our two children, in ways that he has never been able to before. And so it really... um, it's a bittersweet thing because yeah. as much as Rob misses football, I miss it. I love it. Yeah. And but it's been um, it's been nice to be able to kind of take a step back for a little while. Sure. But now we're ready. Yeah. Now it's time. Well, and like you mentioned today, he was like mowing the practice field, yes. which is just general maintenance. Yeah. But are you starting to see things? He's starting to see things pick back up, or at least a he possibility. Is. He is. You know, the um, MHSAA opened things up as of today. Okay. And um, where we are in our school district, we kind of pushed it back a little bit, so we will start practice on the fifteenth. Um, so you can tell, you know, I've seen the playbook out at home. He's been doing Zoom calls with coaches around the state. So you can tell that he's really getting excited about yeah. it. At one point during all of this, um, all four of us suited up in vintage Warren Central uniforms <laughs> and went out in the front yard and played football. That is because great. we all, I think we all four just needed a little bit of it. But we're definitely, you know, it, it, it's time to get back it is a real shame that i wasn't there with a video camera i know like no one saw us like no one in our neighborhood even drove by (laughs) that is fantastic and mary beckett is mary beckett can throw a really good spiral she's about as good as rob is that right she's been practicing a lot she's an athlete she's sitting behind you over there right now eating chick-fil-a french fries Uh paying very close attention to Uh this interview make sure that i get it right yeah thumbs up mary beckett is she doing a good yeah okay we got a thumbs up yeah anytime you talk about rob she's close by yeah um so uh, rob um and and for those listening rob morgan is who we're talking about lana claire's husband rob uh played at warren central played for his dad there in the 90s won a state championship warren central here in vicksburg Mm -hmm. Uh, Rob and I got to be teammates at Mississippi State. We're both quarterbacks the same age, so we were roommates for a lot of years. And um, and and now he's coaching here at Warren Central High School, coaches offense. His brother Josh is the head coach. So it's kind of a family uh, thing, certainly, because uh, the field is named after his dad. Mm-hmm. And uh, you go to a game, and there's Coach Morgan sitting over there watching the game from near the scoreboard. And, uh, and there's a family tie for me, too, in that. Uh, Lana Claire, who's on your radio right now, is my sister-in-law. I'm married to her sister, Annabeth. So we're all kind of looking at this from different angles. Right. Um, with with Rob um, home uh, during the you know shutdown and that type of thing, what have you seen in him? Like, what? How have you observed him and the way he handled that? Being a coach that couldn't go out and coach. Um. He has handled it. Other than pick up games in the yard. Right. right. Other than, you know, we have to run routes in the front yard every now and then. (laughs) He really has handled it well. You know, I think that um, a lot of times a coach pours so much into the football team that you just don't see him a whole lot. They don't get to pour as much maybe into the family. They don't. And that's just something as a coach's family that you get used to. But he has... He's been given that opportunity to do that this time. And the whole time, you know, his main um, worry was that he wanted to keep our family healthy. So he said, as much as I really want to be on that football field and I want to be with those boys in the field house, 
um, my first priority is that our family stays healthy. Yeah. So as you know, he really wanted to start today, but given these you know extra two weeks, kind of deep down made him feel a little bit better yeah. that those were two more weeks where we could let things pass. On a coaching staff, do you, mm-hmm. as a coach's wife. Do you keep up with the other coaches' wives? We do. We, um, I am very blessed to be part of an amazing coaches' wives family, and we truly are family. Um, I have had wonderful coaches' wives um, in the past, and the coaches' wives that I am with now, um, they're wonderful. And, I mean, we hop in the car, we go to away games, pile all the kids in the car, and we keep up through our group text. We welcomed in a new coach's wife this season, and so just the other night we kind of added her into our group text and can kind of keep up with each other that way. There you go. So it's kind of like your own little support group there. It is. It is (laughs) because they all get it, and we have one coach's wife who um, they just welcomed a new baby and another one who's coming. So the life of being a coach's wife as a mother, uh, they are about to realize. Yeah. Because that's a brand new ball game when you add in kids. <laughs> I bet. Well, it's really interesting, Lana. Um, Lana Claire Morgan on your radio right now. Her husband is Rob Morgan, one of the coaches at Warren Central High School here in Vicksburg. And we may get Rob on the radio this week. The thing is, though, they opened it back up. I mean, the first thing he did, <laughs> they opened it back up today on a Monday. So he's on yeah. a mower mowing the practice field right yeah. now on June the 1st. I mean, he was uh, he didn't sleep late today. He was ready. <laughs> I bet. But right over your shoulder, it's really like this family scene. Right over the shoulder there on the swing on the front porch is uh, your mom, Debbie, former school teacher. Who taught well, Rob. Who taught Rob as a little mm-hmm. bitty fella. Um, and, and now Rob's daughter, um, Mary Beckett, who's eight, sitting right next to her. My daughter, Mary Liddy, who's eight, sitting right next to her. And my wife, Anna Beth, they're all sitting there watching us do this interview. Uh-huh. It's not often that we have an audience. No, never. A lot of radio shows have a studio with like a studio audience. They've sold tickets. Mm-hmm. We I, could charge them. Well, I have essentially paid. <laughs> in one way or the other, I've sort of paid them to be sitting there, it That's seems right. like. Yeah. Oh, woo! <laughs> <We> just—it's <laughs> good timing too. And uh, let's see here. I'm going to give you a couple of comments. Um, Big Dog Two on the uh, Country Please and text line. Country Please and sauces. We love them around here. We were driving down to see y'all here in Vicksburg on Friday, and uh, the Country Please and truck uh, was headed down I-55 South. And Big Dog Two says, "Matt, Rob has done a great job at Warren Central." Oh. That division is like the SEC West of high school football. <laughs> it is tough. All right, so help me out. We might not get them all right, but it teams we... <laughs> okay. And it's changed recently. It, it always changes, but yeah. teams you play every year. All right, so we have Clinton. Clinton. We have Madison Central. Yeah. We have Startville. Okay. We now have South Panola. South Panola's in it. Uh-huh. What about Northwest uh, Rankin? Northwest Rankin. So they're in there. Um, I mean, we could pretty much stop. I, uh, oh, Vicksburg, yeah. Yes. The I, Gators, I mean, go Gator. Yes. Look, we ha- there's never a, a week off. Like you don't, you can't go. Woo! Thank goodness this will be an easy know, week. I ju- it just hit me the dynamic though when they said when they screamed Vicksburg yeah. because uh, your sister, my wife Anna Beth, who's sitting over there, mm-hmm. um, is a Vicksburg Gator. Of course, yep. you went to Vicksburg High sure School. Sure did. By marriage, and and by your heart now is pulled to Warren Central. Right. You're wearing a blue Viking football shirt. Mm-hmm. 
but your sister is wearing green <laughs> and will always be purpose. a Vicksburg Gator. Yes. If you go to a Vicksburg football game mm-hmm. at Vicksburg High, on the hill there is a giant V. Or you, there used to be a yes. giant V spelled out with some stones or whatever. Yeah. She placed those there with her bare hands mm-hmm. back in 1984. I'm kidding. It wasn't that long ago. <laughs> I'm just joking. Back in around about 97. 97. Okay. I mean, she's all gator. Mm-hmm. What's it like? You you are in a split house because you're a rebel and Rob's a bulldog. I, I mean, polar opposites. He is all boy. I am all girl. <laughs> On our very, when we moved here, which is almost 10 years ago, yeah. um, our very first Vicksburg-Warren Central game to be married um, I remember we woke up, it was, you know, time to go to school. I got dressed, um, and I was walking out of the door to go to school and I said, okay, I said, I'll, you know, good luck. I'll see you later. Call me when you can. And he looked at me straight in the eyes and he said, I cannot talk to you today. You are the enemy. <laughs> What's so funny about that is that he thought about it ahead of time. Oh yeah. He had that planned. I mean, he has, he has everything planned. Well, let me just say this. I roomed with him in college. Uh-huh. That's a lie. <laughs> he does not have everything planned all the time. Now, more so than the rest of us, right. sure. Right. But not all the time. That's right. But he's done a very good job of convincing you, and that's really Absolutely. all that matters. <laughs> Atlanta, thank you very much. You're welcome. It's great thank to talk you. to you. Glad you all have made it through to this point, three months into the that's right. shutdown, and now football is about to open up. And thank maybe, goodness. Maybe life for a coach's wife is about to get back to normal. Amen to that. Sooner than later, we hope. Thank you. Thank you. All right. And applause from our studio audience. Stick around. Back on the show, rolling along with you on this Monday, giving you a break from uh, all the bad and all the negative and all the evil, Uh, just a little bit of a break from it, and uh, talk about some of the good and to some of the good, whether it's on the text line or on the Divinity Equipment phone or right here in person. hope you enjoyed that interview with uh, my sister-in-law, Lana Claire Morgan. She is married to Rob Morgan, one of the coaches at Warren Central High School here in Vicksburg. Wally texts me, uh, Josh Morgan, the head coach, Rob, his offensive coordinator here, and, and Wally, te- I'm sorry, he tweeted me at Radio Wyatt and said, Rob and Josh coached us one year in the Charity Bowl many moons ago. They were awesome. Please tell them that I said hello, and I'll pass that ar- along, Wally. I appreciate uh, that very, very much. Um Real quick, uh, a few comments from you uh, over the last few minutes on the Country Please and text line, Country Please and Sausage on grocery store shelves throughout the southeast. Walking in there and say, Country Please and Please. It's made right here in Florence, Mississippi at Country Meat Packers on Highway 49 in Florence. You can stop into the butcher shop and load up right there if you get a chance. Order it online at countrypleasing.com. Big Dog 2 said, Matt, have you been, this is about Vicksburg. I've been here, I've been doing some walking, I've done some walking and sightseeing in the Vicksburg Military, uh, National Military Park. 
And uh, Big Dog said, Matt, have you been to the giant bamboo forest in Vicksburg? It's behind the Louisiana, uh, Louisiana, Louisiana Monument in the park. It's otherworldly, like being transported to the jungles of Cambodia or somewhere. And no, uh, I have not. But I've had several people, including members of my family, tell me, okay, Matt, you got to go down there. Uh, I've spent some time in the park. I had a really cool experience yesterday for you history buffs. Uh, without going into specifics, because I don't want to be specific, but I was walking a portion of the military park yesterday. Most of it's grown up. Now, I, I mean, you've got plenty of roads and sidewalks. That's where people walk and ride bikes and look and sightsee. But as far as getting off the main paths, um, there's been very little mowing and bush hogging, basically none, I guess, for months and months. So everything there is really grown up, you know, knee-high, thigh-high, waist-high. But there was this one area on the side of this key strategic point in there on the side of a hill that had washed away. All the topsoil had been washed away because of erosion and rain, and nothing was growing right there. So it was kind of bare dirt. And, and I had a sneaky suspicion, you know, I need to go look at that. And I walked up there and looked, and sure enough, just uh, uncovered by wind and weather and time was uh, a bullet. Laying out on top of the, it's kind of halfway embedded into the ground, but sticking out that had been there for 150 years. The last person to touch it would have been a Union soldier who fired it after ramrodding it down into his rifle. And there it was. And I didn't pick it up because it's illegal and uh, it would have been inappropriate. But did, you know, to see that and to think, okay, that's been laying there since it was fired on uh, right around whenever, back in 1863. It was pretty cool to see that. Vicksburg, obviously a very historic place. More Bully says, Bomar is an absolutely incredible school. I've been there about a dozen times implementing programs. That's uh, Bomar Elementary in Vicksburg. Bully Bill says, what do you say here? Um, and if you make a Freudian slip, you'll really pay? What are you talking about, Bully Bill? Uh, I missed the reference on that, the connection. Jason in Flagstaff says, my son was in the first grade. He, quote, hates school for about a week, and then he missed it. <laughs> <laughs> right. <clears throat> I think they hate it. And, you know, it goes back to what Sparky Woods told me one time many years ago. He said, just remember this. Everybody wants what they don't have. And that's really true. I think in specifically that conversation we were having years ago was about recruiting in college football. You know, coaches recruiting athletic quarterbacks who hadn't had them. Uh, coaches who've been coaching runners, wanting a pocket passer. He said everybody wants what they don't have, and, and to remember that. So there's a lot of good. I appreciate everyone texting. Listen, you need to be aware of this, though. Um, sadness in the Southeastern Conference community here today. Uh, this posted within the last hour from many news outlets including one uh, that's um, a one of the Auburn accounts that uh, covers Auburn 24-7 in Auburn, Alabama. Auburn Goldmine on uh, Twitter. Auburn coaching legend Pat Dye passed away today. You know, he had been hospitalized with a kidney issue. <clears throat> when he was in the hospital, he then tested positive for COVID-19 the coronavirus, from 1981 until 1992, he was 99, 39, and 4. In terms of a head coach, he won four SEC titles 
at Auburn during that stretch, 81 to 92. How many would that be? 12 seasons if we actually added them up. Uh, and he was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame back in 2005. The very College Football Hall of Fame that was um, vandalized this weekend. Not destroyed, though. I did read that over in Atlanta. But uh, a sad day as Auburn, that community, that family. And, and for those of you that know, if you're an Auburn fan uh, or in that area, it, it is different than, say, the University of Alabama. And, and, and that fan base and just kind of that deal in that, you know, Auburn very much embraces the idea of being a family and that family moniker. And they talk about the Auburn family. And, you know, Auburn itself, the town, is a little smaller. Um, it is a little more quaint, it seems like. And um, that's always been my impression. And so you have a lot of people there who are hurting. You know, Pat Dye was... Um, you wouldn't say the equivalent, certainly, but he was certainly the counterpart to for many, many years there to, um, well, I say many years, the counterpart for a few years to Bear Bryant. And then, obviously, um, had a lot of success at Auburn uh, after the Bear Bryant years were done at Alabama and, and very you know well-liked and well-loved before he exited in 92 and in came Terry Bowden. Lots of stories you know, if you listen to sports radio in the southeast over uh, this afternoon and over the next few days, you're going to hear a lot of stories about Pat Dye. Um, you know, his last year at Auburn was 92. I was a young guy in high school then, just a sophomore, and had ju- I really just began to be recruited by Auburn as a junior. So the first I started hearing from Auburn as a football recruit myself was in Terry Bowden's first year. I was really too young, I guess, to hear from Auburn earlier than that. But I, what I do remember is, you know, growing up and, and every Sunday afternoon, you'd watch three things after church. Is you would watch um, the Bear Bryant show, the Pat Dye show, and, you know, if it was early in the fall, you'd watch the Atlanta Braves. <laughs> and those were kind of staples. And so it was cool for me then as a player when we played at Auburn in 95 – I was not playing, but I was dressed out, red-shirting. And when we came out of the tunnel uh, for warm-ups, as a group of quarterbacks, there were four of us, I guess, and we lined up and were about to come out. And we were in, the obviously, the visiting locker room, but Pat Dye was standing there near the opening of the deal. And he spoke to me, and I sh- shook his hand, and um, we kind of had a connection. There was a couple of people we knew. Um, that I, I brought up and he brought up. And I just had a very brief conversation with him, shook his hand before we run out onto the field for pregame warm-ups. And I'm there to try to beat Auburn, I guess, you know. And then in 97, um, two years after that, had a similar experience where uh, we were about to come out for warm-ups and he was happening to be standing there again. And so I walked over, spoke, shook his hand real quick and ran out onto the field. Didn't know him personally other than that in any way but a couple of meetings before we go out on the field for pregame warm-up. And for me, as a kid who grew up in Alabama, and I'd seen him on TV and knew him as a longtime Auburn coach, it was neat to get to stand there in that stadium anyway and in that environment and chat with him just a bit because he'd coached so many big games there and coached so many great players like Bo Jackson and others. Um, I had an interview with Bob Neal, 
who was a longtime play-by-play announcer for the SEC on TBS. He's the dad of Dave Neal. And uh, this was several years ago when I interviewed Bob, and I asked him about stories that stick out to him from his days of traveling the SEC, going to watch practice, and therefore meet with coaches uh, during that time. We're talking about in the, you know, the 80s, the mid to late 80s. And he told one Pat Dye story where he and Tim Foley, they were the broadcast crew for the SEC on TBS, and he and Tim Foley went to Auburn, watched the practice. Afterwards, they go to Pat Dye's office. They sit down, and Pat Dye says, you want some coffee? And he said both men said, yeah, we'll take some coffee, as they talked. Tim Foley, a you know, devout Christian, and uh, Bob there. And said, Pat Dye said, well, you want your coffee fixed? And Bob said he thought, well, okay, yeah, you know, I'm thinking cream, sugar, yeah, sure. And they both said, yeah, sure, we'll take it fixed. So they continue their conversation. They're talking about their players. He hands them the coffee. Both broadcasters sit down on the couch across from Pat Dye. They're talking, and they both take a sip. And simultaneously, they both spit their coffee just a little bit <laughs> across the room because they learn that to Pat Dye, wanting your coffee fixed meant a little Jack Daniels in it. <laughs> and you know this. Whether you drink alcohol or whether you don't, if you're not expecting it, it would certainly be a shock for someone to hand you coffee that you think you're going to drink coffee, and indeed there's Jack Daniels in it. It would be a surprise if you weren't expecting it. So the SEC today has lost a great one. Pat Dye at 80 years old. He's on the list. He's on the all-time list. Robert Nalen, Bear Bryant, Vince Dooley, Steve Spurrier, Nick Saban, Pat Dye. So rest in peace, Coach. Stick around. We'll finish it up next in the Farm Bureau studio. Tracking it down. We're tracking down 2 p.m. Getting ready to wrap things up with you here on this Monday. Live from the porch. What a beautiful day it is and has been. I love the summertime. You know, I, I don't love mosquito bites. Got a bunch of those. Bunch of them. I don't love chiggers and jigger bites. Got a bunch of those. Got into them, I think, out there at the military park. And <laughs> they got all over me. I got bites. You know, that and mosquitoes. I don't love all that. But I just love summer. I just like the hot weather. When it's hot and the sun's out, man, you can do whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do. But when it's cold and it's 28 degrees in January, that's not the case. Can't play golf, can't go swimming. In the summertime, you can do whatever you want to do. You can walk all you want to walk as long as you can stand it. And I love the summertime. Glad it's here, June the 1st. Thanks for tuning in today. Uh, we stay connected to you because of C Spire. Proud of them. Great Mississippi company doing great things here in the state of Mississippi. They never quit. They have worked and worked and worked. And their crew across the state, you know this. I'm preaching to the choir. You know it. You know what? As you and your family and everybody kind of shut things down to avoid the coronavirus as much as you could, 
um, when you have looked out the window, when you have gone for a drive, when you have had to venture out, you know what you've seen? Ceasefire trucks. They're figuring out a way to get Internet to everybody in every part of this state, uh, getting coverage. They have the best network in this state for your cell phone coverage, no doubt about it. That's Ceasefire. Check them out at ceasefire.com where they are customer-inspired. It is time now to continue our countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. We started last Thursday with team number 100. That was Vanderbilt. Okay, we played catch-up in hour number one with teams 99 and 98. Today we are 96 days away from Saturday, September the 5th. That puts it in perspective, right? I'll, put it down, I'll give you perspective on it. We are almost the same distance now from September the 5th that we are looking back to when spring break let out here in March in the state of Mississippi and we never went back to school. That's how fast September 5th is going to roll around. So let's do it. Teams number 97 and 96 coming up now on our countdown of 100 teams. 100 teams. 100 days. Yes! Here we go. Number 97 is the Temple Owls. I mean, look, an owl is just cool, isn't it? An owl is just cool. Well, screech owls will make you jump out of your shoes, too, if you didn't see that one coming. If you ever... And I walked up under one of those at night. <laughs> owls are just cool. You got rice. They are the owls. You have temple. Are there any other owls out there other than temple and rice? Anyway, um, <clears throat> let's jump into it. Temple, team number 97. They are from the AAC, the American Athletic Conference. They had a new head football coach last year, Rod Carey uh, is his name. He took over when Jeff Collins the former Mississippi State defensive coordinator, left Temple as the head coach to go be Georgia Tech's head coach, right? No, or was it Matt Rule? I get them mixed up. I'm just going to be honest with you when it comes to Temple. I know Matt Rule was there, and then he went to Baylor. And I know Jeff Collins was there. He went at some point to Georgia Tech. I know all of that stuff. Maybe I'm off a year or two. I just know the guy they have now is Rod Carey. This will be year two uh, for him. You know, again, a lot of people out there who listen like Las Vegas and the predictions they make for wins and losses. I think, you know, they've put their over-under for wins in year two under Carey at Temple at about five. Here are some high points. Senior quarterback at Temple, Anthony Russo, had uh, 2,800 yards passing last year, 21 touchdowns, 12 picks. So the yards, the TD is very productive. Uh, too many turnovers. They would like a better ratio. But it was an improvement for him. Sophomore year, two years ago, 2018, he went 14 and 14. 14 TDs, 14 picks. So improved last year to 21 and 12. Comes back this year will be a senior year. Senior quarterback is something uh, that's super, super valuable. We know that in college football, especially returning on a team where he knows the players and knows the system. Their defense last year at Temple, year one under Carey, was really good. In fact, they were 29th in America in the S&P on the defensive rankings. But they don't have much returning. I read one thing where it said Temple had 38% of their defense returning this year. And that's like way, way, way low compared to 
everybody else in the country in terms of number of starters returning. I think there's like, what, 130 Division One teams? That's like 123 out of 130. So they were good on defense last year, but largely led by upperclassmen that they don't have back this year. So you don't really know what you're going to see. Just expect a drop-off. Um, if you like the SMP, uh, overall they give Temple a 72. On offense, they give them a 90. On defense, they give them a 54. And Temple is going to begin the year on the road in the Orange Bowl Stadium at Miami on September the 5th, 96 days from today, where they'll take on uh, the Miami Hurricanes in year two under Manny Diaz. And I'm just looking. They've got Memphis on the schedule. They'll go to Memphis. Temple will be in Memphis at midway point of the year, I guess uh, middle to late October. <clears throat> So that's a quick look at Temple, what you need to know about them. Second-year head coach, senior returning quarterback who's gotten better each year that he's been the starter, but can show a lot of improvement this year. Will need to because their defense is largely, largely inexperienced. So if you know a Memphis fan, call them up. Go ahead and um, tell them. Uh, somebody texted me on the uh, Country Please and Text line. It was a mad mail person. He said, your ceasefire service is going in and out. Well, I must say, I am actually, I say I am, I stay connected to you because of C Spire. My connection is via an internet cable um, that is not C Spire today. So blame it on somebody else, male person. <laughs> if it were C Spire here, I wouldn't have that issue. <laughs> See, man, I'm telling you, like, I don't know. I, I, can, I can tell you like it is now when it comes to my sponsors. I can tell you just like it is. (laughs) All right. uh, And so here we are. Today, 96 days from September the 5th. Team number 96 on the countdown is a very interesting one to me. The Nevada Wolfpack. The Nevada Wolfpack. Now, what do we need to know about Nevada? They are predicted to go slightly less than 6-6 six and six this year, according to the Football Power Index. Um, they run a very high-flying, fun-to-watch, air-raid type of offense out in the Mountain West. Did you hear that term, air-raid at Nevada? I think there are coaches on the Nevada coaching staff that you need to circle their names and make sure you remember them. Make sure you remember them and know who they are. They are names that will be popping up in coaching searches uh, in big-time Power 5 football in the coming years. Why, Matt? Well, I'll give you some examples. But the high-flying air raid offense, it's not going away. It's only becoming more popular. What did Allen? Let me give you an example in terms of relying more on the pass game, investing more in the pass game in college football. Use the example of Alabama. If you went up until two, three years ago, at the point that Tua Tonga-Valoa became you know, the guy at Alabama, but really Jalen Hurts and Pryor, and think about all the championship Alabama teams and Nick Saban teams at Alabama, what was their reputation offensively? It was never air raid, and it was primarily physical football based on physical running game with, you know, the likes of um, uh, Trent Richardson and and those kind of guys, right? Derrick Henry, 
All those kind of guys. Play action stuff, a lot of under center stuff. That was their reputation. Well, even Alabama the last few years decided we're going to ride this wave and we're going to throw the football. We're going to get quarterbacks who can throw the football. We're going to get five-star quarterbacks and stop developing guys, and we're going to put five-star receivers on the field all around them. That's what they are now at Alabama. The air raid stuff is not only not going anywhere, it's only gaining steam, I think, throughout big-time Power 5 football. And at Nevada, you have head coach Jay Norvell. You have offensive coordinator quarterbacks coach Matt Mummy. You have offensive assistant Timmy Chang. You remember those names? Timmy Chang, record-setting air raid quarterback under June Jones at Hawaii. Matt Mummy, the son of the air raid inventor, Hal Mummy. Those guys are going to be on coaching search lists, I guarantee you, off this staff, not to mention Jay Norvell at Nevada. Now, they're going to have to win, but uh, they had a pretty good year a year ago in Norvell at uh, Nevada. They beat Purdue in the opener, 34-31. Yeah, now they gave up 77 points in Week 2 at Oregon. <laughs> but then they won two more, started 3-1, and 3-2, and 4-2. and two. They won seven games last year and got themselves into a bowl game against Ohio. But you're talking about a Mountain West team throwing the ever-loving you-know-what out of it with Matt Mummy and Tommy Chang on the offensive staff. And Matt Mummy is a guy who's going to come up and be in some of these big-time coaching searches in uh, Power 5 football uh, sooner than later. I really believe that. All right, so that's our countdown. Tomorrow will be number 95. wonder who that could be. Is it from a Power 5 conference? It might be, actually. Team number 95 tomorrow. See you then from the porch in the Farm Bureau studio. 